Alright. We're going to talk about dominion and authority of the believer. And I've got some notes here. Notes here. And uh, basically, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, and I believe verse 28. <clears throat> it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. All right, so you can underline in your Bible there um, that he may he let them have dominion basically over everything, all right? And just so you wouldn't make a mistake, it says over all the earth, okay? So, the, of course, they have dominion over the animals, but they also have dominion over all the earth, okay? And it says, let us make man in our image. So God is a king. He's a ruler, Okay, he's, he's, he's a governor. He governs the world. So he made us in his image as a governor, as a, as a ruler. Okay, there's a lot of things that God has done for us. <clears throat> all right, so there's God, and he is God of everything. He's the ruler of all things. But then on the earth, he made us rulers of the earth. Okay, if you actually look in Psalm 115, verse 16, it says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but... The earth he has given to the children of man. <clears throat> this is so important that we realize that God has given man the earth. A lot of times we, we this misconception that, that God is in control of everything and that God, um, it, it, he does rule over everything. But the thing is, God has given man authority over the earth, which means that most of the things that go wrong in the earth really aren't God's fault. They're our fault because we're the ones who have the final say on what happens on the earth. Okay. So that's important to get. If we don't realize um, that we were given responsibility over the earth, then we won't start taking responsibility for the problems that are going on in the earth. We had a nature like God in that we ruled and reigned. We also had the Spirit of God. In the beginning it says God breathed His Spirit into Adam. And the word for Spirit is Hebrew, and it means Ruach. Okay, so He, was, he would breathe Ruach into Adam. The word Ruach means breath, but it also means Spirit. So God literally gave Adam His very own Spirit. So Adam was born, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and that spirit was alive before sin. And when he sinned, he lost that spirit. That's why he died. It says, in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. So what made Adam a living uh, being, okay, was the fact that he had that spirit on the inside of him. And he says, when you eat of it, you shall surely die. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, we know that he didn't die physically. But we do know he died spiritually, okay? So, in that moment, he lost the image of God. And I believe a lot of people have misconception. They have a lot of um, misunderstandings. They say, oh, we're all made in the image of God. And yes, we are. There's a level we are made in the image of God. But the thing that, the defining factor that really made us the image of God was his spirit. Okay, the spirit of God that lived inside of us gave us that image of God. 
Okay, and so the only other person in the scriptures that is described as being the image of God after Adam was the last Adam, which was Jesus. Okay, Romans, I believe, says that Jesus was the last Adam. And it says in, in, in the Gospels that Philip asked Jesus, hey, show us the Father. And it says, um, have, you, have I not been with you this long and you don't know me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, miraculously through a virgin birth, just like Adam was born miraculously with dust through the Holy Spirit. See what I'm saying? Didn't have a father. Neither did Jesus. So that, it says in Luke, it would go, if you read in Luke all the way through the, the genealogical um, uh, account, it'll say, Jesus, the son of Joseph, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the son, all the way down to Adam, and it says, Adam, the son of God. It's kind of cool. Adam was the son of God, and Jesus was the son of God, because they were both born of the Holy Spirit. But when he sinned, he lost that spirit. And Jesus came to get it back for us. Okay, so if we go to Genesis 3, 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All right, so sin removed their God-likeness. And putting their faith in the deceiver forfeited our birthright. So it's a lie. You know, Genesis says, uh, 3, 5 says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Okay, so there was things that that they actually weren't like God in. They didn't know right and wrong. Um, if you look at um, later on in that chapter, it says, God says, man has become like one of us. Well, this is weird because God had already made them in his likeness. But he says, he has become like one of us. So it's almost inferring there was something about them that they weren't like God in. So the, the devil told a twisted truth here saying, oh, the day that you eat it, yeah, you'll, you'll become like God. Your eyes will be open. Well, that was true, but it was twisted. Okay? So here's the thing. God, I don't think that a, a good ruler can really rule without knowing right and wrong. And I, I believe that God wanted to be man's teacher on what right and wrong was. He didn't want a quick fix. He wanted to teach them. He wanted to teach them his wisdom. And we know that they didn't have wisdom. Even though they knew right and wrong, we might say, oh, look, they, become, they became full of knowledge. But they didn't have any wisdom. Because the scripture says that whenever he found him, he goes, who, who told you you were naked? And he goes, that, he goes um, did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil I told you not to eat from? And he goes, that woman. So here's the thing. He knew right and wrong, but he didn't know any wisdom. And he knew how to judge, but he didn't know how to judge himself. So he, instead of repenting, he judged the, the wife. You see what I'm saying? So the thing is, we anytime something goes wrong in our life, we always want to just point the finger at somebody else. <laughs> you know? It's so important that we point the finger at us first. You know? Uh, when we've been exposed, when something's going wrong, we're experiencing pain, we always need to say, man, what happened? Why am I experiencing this pain? Why am I experiencing this, this problem? What did I do? Did I do anything wrong? They got me in this situation. That's judging rightly, and that's actually operating wisdom. We might have knowledge of good and evil, but knowledge of good and evil doesn't get us very far if we don't have wisdom. Okay, and I, it, it'll just bring us down. It'll bring us into pride and, and arrogance and, and self-righteousness. Um, and so, anyway, that sin removed the godliness and put their faith, they put their faith in the deceiver. Okay, so 
instead of believing God, they believed the devil. Okay, the, the serpent came in and said, "Hey, if you'll do this, this will be like this will happen." So they believed a twisted lie. Once they did this, it says in the scripture that he, that the devil, is a, 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 a liar, a thief, a destroyer, a murderer. So when we start putting our faith in the wrong thing, then whatever we put our faith in, especially if it's a thief. It will steal what we have. So here, here Genesis has given, in Genesis 1, God gave dominion of the earth to man. But then we decided to not believe in God and what he said, but we've, we chose to believe our own judgment above God's judgments. We, believe, we decided to believe what we thought about the matter instead of what God thought about the matter. And we looked with our eyes and saw that the tree was pleasing to the eye and it was good for food and it was also going to give us knowledge. And we started to reason in our own understanding instead of trusting the Lord's word above what we understood. And then what happens is we literally forfeited all of our rights over to the devil. Okay, And at that moment, Satan became the ruler of this dark world. Uh, Romans chapter 6, 16 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which you, leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. When we obeyed the deceiver, we became enslaved to him. We became, he became our master. So we had dominion over the earth, but then the devil became our master. And we began to obey his commands. And we started to do what he told us to do. And we started to rule the world in a wrong way. And basically he, 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 he took all, and he's an abusive master. He doesn't empower us to rule. He takes it and micromanages our life. And every time we make a mistake, he just beats us down. Every time we want to do something right, he just beats us down and undercuts us. So the devil is a micromanager, you know. He wants to micromanage our lives and, and control us. When the Lord gave us and said, it's your choice, you see. God's, God's uh, way of managing was empowerment. The devil's way of management is control. He wants to manipulate you and wants to control your thinking. Okay, and so he is a bad slave driver. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the devil has power over the earth because we submitted ourselves to him. Romans says that very clearly. We become slaves to him whom we obey. So when we obeyed the devil, we became his slave. Instead of becoming God's servants, we became the devil's servants. And he's a liar, and he's a thief, and he steals everything. And so he can't be trusted. Um, we entered into darkness with sin and death, losing the likeness of God in authority and spirit of life. Death would now overtake us. Sin would now reign in our bodies and Satan would plunder the dominion of earth from us. John 14, 30 says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. So Jesus, even though Psalm 115 says that God gave man the earth and Genesis 1 says that God gave man dominion over the earth, John 14 says that Jesus recognized that the ruler of the world was coming, and he was talking about Satan. 
Uh, Luke 4, 5 through 8. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all of this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. By who? By man. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will, be, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus does not argue with him about this statement, about him being the ruler of the world, and that he owned all the kingdoms. All the kingdoms of the world had been handed to Satan when Adam and Eve sinned against God and forfeited their authority to the thief and deceiver. So we can see very clearly from Scripture that all the kingdoms of the earth, that the, the, and we're talking about kingdoms, that means the devil reigns over man. Man still rules over the earth in a sense. You see what I'm saying? But the devil rules over man, you see? So when things really happen on the earth, there's a lot of things. That, and so it, it, the devil took his place as king of the earth. You see what I'm saying? We still have a level of dominion, but only as much as we, you know what I mean? We're submitting to the devil, you know what I mean? And so he's stolen it from us. We still sort of have that authority, but it's not like the devil. The devil has the kingdoms of the earth. You know, he's ruling the kingdoms of the earth. And so the things that happen in the earth, a lot of times they're not from God. A lot of times they are just from the devil, you know. Because see, God, it says in the word that God does not, God exalts his very word above his name. I don't think I have that in my notes. Uh, let's see here. It would be in Psalms. I don't have it here. Uh, you have to do your own homework. Um, but, but God says in his word that God puts his very word above his very name. His word is above his own name. That means people want to say, look, don't put God in a box. But you have to put God in a box. You have to put him in his box. God is restricted by his own word. God is restricted by his own love. God is restricted by his own justice. God doesn't do whatever he wants to do. He has, God speaks and then he has to uphold what he speaks. Okay, so there is a box. This is the box. <laughs> you know? All right, check this out. <clears throat> uh, where are we at? Uh, John, Jesus does not argue. John 12. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Talking about Satan. John 12. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So Jesus Christ dies on the cross, and he's talking about how he's about to destroy the dominion of the devil. Okay? When Jesus died, he took the punishment and paid the price to gain back the rightful heirs to the earth. So check this out. God cannot operate on earth without a man. Why? Because he gave man dominion over the earth. He chose to do that. He exalts his word above his name. So he says he cannot break his own law. It's so good. God cannot violate his word. He's not a liar. So he will not do anything without a man. Didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah without a man. He, he, he it says that I'm going to go down and look and see if the outcry that's come up to me is true. So the thing is, there's been an outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah, of people being oppressed, murdered, raped, uh, all this stuff. And so they've been crying out to God for justice. And so God says, 
I'm going to go down and see if it's all true. So he sends the three angels down there, okay? Or it might have been two angels and God himself, okay? Or it might have been the Trinity, who knows? But it was three, okay? And they came down, and one stayed behind and talked with Abraham, while the other two went down to the city. And Abraham, God said, should we withhold from Abraham what we're about to do, since we've chosen Abraham to be the, 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 the blessing to all nations? And so he comes, so, which is crazy, because the blessing he's talking about is Jesus, which is Jesus is the high priest who died for all of our sins. And so it's like God is coming to Abraham, the father of Jesus, <laughs> the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus, to see what kind of heart is in this man. Because see, what God is always looking for is always looking for a man of mercy. God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. So what's he do? He uh, is telling Abraham, we're going to destroy the city if the outcry is true. And then Abraham says, wait a minute, far be it from you, God, to destroy a whole city. If there were, he says, he says, why would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? If there were 50 people there, would you not spare the city? And God says, you're right. I'll spare the city. Why? Because God is restricted from operating on the earth without a man. So he was looking for a man of mercy. And he found one, Abraham. And God made a deal with Abraham. And I always thought that was weird. I, I thought, well, God, are you bending here? Are you compromising? He's not compromising. He's waiting for a man to intercede. There were other men that were praying for judgment, and he was waiting for the one man that would pray for mercy. All right? He, God, is a God of justice. Because God is a God of righteousness and he must punish sin, you know? But Jesus Christ, that's why he came to Abraham. Why did he come to Abraham, not somebody else? Because God was going to die for the whole world through the seed of Abraham. <laughs> the promise of salvation was coming through the seed of Abraham. The promise of blessing for all nations was coming through the seed of Abraham. So he was coming to the man of faith to see if that man would intercede on behalf of the city. So he gets all the way down to 10 people. Well, God can't find 10 people, so he destroys the whole city because God can't violate his word. That wasn't part of the agreement, you know? Anyway, God doesn't operate without a man. He, he always does something through a man. Every, every single supernatural wonder in Egypt was done through Moses and his obedience to the Lord. He's always looking for a man to intercede. And if you look at Abraham, Moses, he was not a arrogant man he was a very humble man it says in the scripture he was the most meek man on the earth and what's funny about that moses probably wrote that <laughs> right but here's moses doing the most miraculous things in the world you know through god being submissive to the lord all right that was kind of a side note it says right here in matthew 5 the meek shall inherit the earth when Jesus died, he took the punishment and paid the price to gain back the rightful heirs to the earth. Satan stole it, and Jesus was buying it back. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, Matthew 5 is kind of in the notes here. Uh, uh, I was reading about John 12, and now it's the judgment of the world. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself, all people to myself. And, but then Jesus also says that the meek shall inherit the earth. See, Jesus became the king of all kings. He took the place of where the devil was. The devil says, look, I have all the kingdoms. In fact, when the devil was tempting Jesus, he was trying to deceive him, trying to get him to not go to the cross. <laughs> you know? But then but then the devil still would have been Lord over Jesus. You see what I mean? 
But Jesus knew there was a better way, even though it was going to cost him his very life. He did not take a shortcut. He went and died for us. And the meek shall inherit the earth. And Jesus says that he didn't even consider equality with God to be something to be grasped in Philippians. But he humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. He was the, Jesus became the most meek man. And he was given by God the kingdom to the entire earth. He became king of kings, lord of lords, and God exalted him to the right hand of God. He's on the throne, and he rules, and his enemies become his footstool. So Jesus was the meek man who inherited all the earth. And then he says, all authority has been given to me. In Matthew chapter um, uh, 28, says, all authority has been given to me. Go make disciples. Why? Because if we follow him, we inherit what he has. He says in the scriptures that we become co-heirs with Christ. Whatever Jesus has, now we have. So he gained authority over the, all the earth, and he bought back for us our authority. So when something is going on in the earth, it's a cause of death. Death is caused by sin. For the wages of sin is death. So anytime something happens that causes death, it's because of sin in the world. But we have been called to overcome sin in the world and overcome the works of the devil, to overcome the consequence of sin in the earth. So when something brings death in the world, we have literally been given dominion over it. The question is, do we believe it? Because we have always got to operate in faith. Okay? We can't move mountains without faith. In the meantime, it says right here, I wrote this in my notes here. But in the meantime, there is a striving to subdue the earth and advance the kingdom of God. The devil still controls much of the world, and we are commanded to take it back in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. So we're called to expand the kingdom of God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We go out and preach the good news of, of Jesus. In, in Isaiah 61, we've been anointed uh, by the Holy Spirit to preach good news to the poor. We are commanded to go out and make disciples of all nations, to go and tell people about what Jesus did for them to bring back their authority, to give us back our dominion over the earth. This earth will perish, and then a new earth will be made, and we'll become rulers of that world as well. We uh, In Ephesians 2, 1 7 through 7, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So it's talking about Satan. And so a lot of people think, well, when Jesus died, bam, it just took care of the devil. No more. Well, if that was the case, why would we be called to advance the kingdom of God? If, if, if the devil was already destroyed, 100%, completely done, then we wouldn't be required to do any work. But the truth is, he has been, here's what happens. God always told the people of Israel, go into the land. I have delivered your enemies into your hands to destroy. Well, the word had been spoken and it was the truth, but they still had to go and take the land. Okay. The truth was, in God's perspective of eternity, it was a done deal. They had already destroyed it. But we also know this, that the people made a decision. They went out there and they didn't destroy all the people. And they allowed the work of the enemy to corrupt the land again and enter them back into bondage. So even though God had promised to give them the people, they weren't obedient, and therefore the people weren't driven out, and therefore corruption 
grew inside and manipulated and twisted itself and perverted the nation of Israel again. Therefore, they needed Jesus. So we have to get into the same thing or the church will get corrupted. We've got to go out there and keep on advancing the kingdom of God. We can't allow, we can't compromise. We've got to keep going. All right, so among whom we all once lived in the, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath that like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the eternal heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Where is in, in heavenly places, Jesus is sitting on a throne. You know? So we've been we've been reinstated as the kings of the earth. As the rulers of the earth. We've been reinstated. But we have been anointed as kings, consecrated, set apart for his use. Now what we have to go back and is do is declare war against the devil. We gotta go take it back. We now sit on a throne in heavenly places as rulers of the earth. We have been given back our authority over the devil. God always gives dominion to those of faith. Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness, and God gave him the land to subdue and rule over it. So when he gave Abraham the promise, and, G and, and Abraham believed God, it says that when, when Abraham was coming through the land of Canaan, it says to, that God told Abraham, the land that you see, remember he, he gave Lot the choice, pick this side or that side, and then God says, I'm going to give all of it to you and your offspring. So he always promises dominion over places to men of faith. God is a man. God is a God of giving property away, of giving us dominion over places and over property and over regions and over areas. Owning property is actually a God idea. It's cool. All right. God, gave, God set the captives free from, from Pharaoh. And they were promised dominion over the land of Canaan, but they did not enter into that rest. They continued in their sin. Abraham's descendants couldn't maintain that dominion because of their sin. So God made a promise that all nations would be blessed through the offspring of Abraham. That's through Jesus Christ. A new creation was on its way to subdue the earth. So Jesus was called the, the last Adam because he was given dominion over the earth again. And now we are the descendants of Jesus in faith. And we are now um, taking dominion back over the earth. Um, Romans 5, 14, it says, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So it says right here, Adam was a type of the one who was to come. So this is just confirmation for anybody who doesn't know um, the scripture reference for why Jesus is the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's Jesus. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are the heaven. Basically, if we're of Adam, we're of the flesh. If we're of God, we're of the spirit. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That's so awesome. We bear the image of Jesus. The only person described as being the image of God besides Adam is Jesus. 
Uh, and we already already told you about that verse in, in John chapter 14, verse 8 through 14. Philip talks about uh, showing us the Father. Um, Jesus was the image of, of the Father, and he reestablishes something here. Believing in Jesus unlocks something that we didn't have before, the power of answered prayer. Watch this. I'm going to read this real quick. I'm going to go back up to here. Um, uh, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. This is John chapter 14, verse 8 through 14. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the count of the works themselves. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So, that's powerful. Jesus just gave us back our dominion, gave us back um, the power of answered prayers. In Jesus Christ, we have become made the righteousness of God. And the scriptures say that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. That means that the prayers, uh, as another translation says, the prayers of the righteous are powerful in their working. Okay? So, you can't be righteous, though, without Jesus. Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. And he made us clean before God. So now I am the righteousness of God. I am righteous before God. So whenever I ask God for anything, I'm going to get it. Because I'm the righteousness of God. And God says, the righteous. The prayers of the righteous avail much. And Jesus says here, if you believe in me and that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, I will do whatever you ask me to do. Jesus was the image of the Father and he reestablishes uh, the power of answered prayers. And, you know, beforehand, it was hard to get your prayers answered um, without being in covenant with the Lord. And so Jesus was the final covenant. And now we've entered covenant with the Lord. Luke 10, 17 through 20, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Listen, it wasn't even the fact that they were some special 72 people. Because a lot of people think that all those miracles and stuff died out with the apostles and stuff like that, and they'll say that, and 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 right here is talking about seventy-two, and it says even the demons are subject to our name. And he, what Jesus is saying here isn't that oh because you're part of this group this one time all this stuff happened. He says nevertheless do not rejoice in the side effects because all the demons being subject to the name, the miracles, the healings, those are all side effects of one thing, and the side effects of one, the one thing is the one thing of their names being written in heaven. Because Jesus says, don't rejoice in the side effects, but rejoice that your names are written in, the he in, in, in heavenly places. The thing is, what gives us dominion over the earth is the fact that our names have been written in heaven. That is the qualification. That's the qualification for us having answered prayers. That's the qualification for us having dominion over the earth. That's the qualification for us uh, seeing healed people um, that's the qualification for us having people raised from the dead. That's the qualification for signs and wonders. Our name is being written in heaven is what gives us dominion over the earth and what gives us the ability to have answered prayers.
First John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. That's 1 John 5, 4. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. But once again, faith is so key. If we don't have faith, if, we're, if we lose hope or if we become uh, we lose our faith and have unbelief because we forget our identity in Christ as the righteousness of God, then it's going to be hard for us to overcome the world. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Luke 11, 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? So verse um, 6, 10, uh, Matthew 6, 10 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, kingdom advancement. We are commanded to pray. We are commanded to pray. If we think that everything's going to happen in God's will, and, and we, we can't change anything, and whatever happens is God's will, God's so big that he can just snap his fingers and everything happens, you know, that if he wanted it to happen, he would just do it, okay? If we get into that lie, okay, we're going we're gonna to forget the importance of prayer. Jesus commanded us to pray because if we don't pray, we cannot release the kingdom of God. It says right here, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are literally releasing the kingdom of God, God's will in heaven, to come to earth. There are no sick people in, in, in heaven. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're praying that no sickness be here. Deliverance. That minds be set free. Every single thing. If it's in heaven... If it's not in heaven, then it shouldn't be here. Because if I'm bringing kingdom advancement, if I'm actually bringing the dominion of the king here, the domain of God, the king of God, okay, uh, God's king, Jesus, if I bring his dominion here, there is no sickness there. So I can't have sickness here. You see what I'm saying? But it has to do with faith. It has to do with faith. And this is our victory that's overcome the world, our faith. So if I don't have faith and I don't really believe it, or if I have unbelief, I'm struggling, then I'm going to have trouble bringing the kingdom of God. But I have to remember, who am I? I am a son of the king. I'm a prince of the earth because God has given me dominion over the earth. So no longer can I just pawn it all off on God. God already did it, man. I have to be the one to release it. When I pray, I'm not actually trying to bend God's arm. God's already done it. What I am doing in prayer is I'm reading God's word, this thing. I'm reading the word of God, and I'm just agreeing with the word of God. What prayer is, is I am agreeing with what God has already said, and I, having dominion over the earth, am releasing what God's will is into the earth because God cannot accomplish his will on the earth without a man because part of the will of God is that man releases the kingdom of God on the earth. It would violate the will of God for him to do it any other way. It would violate God's desires. It would violate the will of God and God's preordained, set-up establishment for him to do things on the earth without man. So therefore, it pleases the Father whenever I submit to my calling as a ruler of the earth and I submit to my calling as the one who advances God's kingdom and his dominion on the earth. It pleases him. Because I operate in faith. Because of truthfully, I'm unworthy. But in faith, I believe that he that bought me from my unworthiness made me righteous. Not only made me righteous, but made me a king. Woo! 
He gave me dominion over the earth. So whenever something's going wrong in the earth, it's not God's fault. It's my fault. Why? Because I will be the one who answers on the day of judgment for why his kingdom didn't get advanced on the earth. And it will be because I have no knowledge. The scripture says my people die for lack of knowledge. They don't die because God's will is it. They die because they have lack of knowledge. If I knew my place in the kingdom of God, I would start releasing the kingdom of God everywhere I go. If I knew. But if I don't know, how can I release it? See what I'm saying? So we people, my people die for lack of knowledge. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are commanded to pray. Prayer is the way of which God has chosen to use in order to release his kingdom onto the earth. It will not come without our prayers. It will not happen. We cannot get anything done without prayer. God cannot work on the earth without prayer. That's why he's commanded us to pray. Matthew 7. And proclaim as you go, Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of God or heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. So here's the deal. When we go out and we say, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, we heal the sick, we raise the dead, we cleanse the lepers, we cast out the demons. <clears throat> that is when we, the point, the reason why is because when the kingdom of God comes, people get healed. When the kingdom of God comes, the dead are raised. When the kingdom of God comes, the, the lepers and the demons are healed and cast out. We have got to know who we are, recognize our calling, having the Great Commission, going out making disciples, and being fruitful and multiplying and subduing the earth, and actually um, having dominion over it. Matthew 28 says, And Jesus came to them and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Which is weird, because back in the earlier, um, Satan said, It's all been given to me. But when Jesus died, he rose again, and it was given to him. Why? Because he paid the penalty. He paid the penalty. He was a man, and legally, he paid the penalty. The only reason, the wages of sin is death. So here's what happens. Check this out. <clears throat> the wages of sin is death. The reason why we are subject to the devil is because of sin. The only way we can... Oh, this is so good. The scripture says, check this out. The scripture says... If you're married to a woman and you want to be, you want to get separated from her, then die because that releases you from the covenant of marriage. When we sinned, we entered into covenant with the devil. We became married to the devil. Jesus Christ came and died, broke the covenant. Now the marriage has been broken. We are we are become divorced in a sense from the devil because Jesus Christ died. And whenever I come into Christ, I die with Christ. And I no longer am married to the devil anymore and no longer subject to his husbandry. And now I become a bride of Christ. I can enter into a new covenant with Jesus Christ. Legally, he broke the bond that was me joining to the devil and him and his command over my life. And now I've been brought back and raised into a new life, into Christ. And now he has become my husband. And now I'm subject to his rule and his reign. I'm, I'm submitting to him instead of the devil now. You see what I'm saying? So legally, Jesus bought us back. It was legal. Why? Because he was a man. And God couldn't do anything without a man. He cheated. He didn't cheat, but he cheated. You know what I'm saying? He, he found the loophole in the system, became a man. <laughs> he had to become a man. <clears throat> because God can't do anything without a man. Jesus was the secret weapon. He came in and he was the one man who could have faith, overcome, resurrect, become the new husband. Oh man, so good. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me because he stomped the devil out. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. <clears throat> Matthew says, Matthew 8 says, 18 says, Truly I say to you, Matthew 8, verse 18, verse, I mean, chapter 18, verse 18, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they have, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. This verse lands right in the middle of dealing with sin, but it, it seems to have <clears throat> broader implications. Or it could be that sin is tied to other things that we also have dominion over. That we have dominion over. The authority of the believer is very interesting. People don't really know how to handle uh, this next part. Um, we get authority over the works of the devil. First John 3 verse 8 says, Whoever makes a practice, a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. <clears throat> sin is best described as the unraveling of a blanket. It undoes the work of God. It is what brings death. So God does this work and then it gets unraveled in sin. Sin and sickness both have... Uh, this is here. Sin and sickness both have make... Someone unclean under the law of Moses, and a blood sacrifice was required for both before the priest could declare someone clean and holy. We have victory over sin and do not have to participate. But the scripture is clear that we have the authority to forgive sin and release someone of their sin as well. Uh, John 20 says that. Um, just by receiving the image of God back again when receiving the Holy Spirit, Jesus breathed on them just like God breathed into Adam. John 20 says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. That's crazy authority right there. Crazy authority. Um, 1 Peter 2.9 but, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Mark 2, 7 says, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? <clears throat> the reason why he did that was because he healed the man of leprosy. He said, which one's, which one's greater? Did I heal his sicknesses or forgive his sins? And so he says, to show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins... Get up and walk. And then it says that they marvel that God had given man such authority. We have the authority to forgive sins and to heal sicknesses. Because we are now the express image of Christ. It's crazy. We become into his likeness. We bring made into his likeness. Uh, it says, uh, Ephesians says this. Ephesians says this. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life, and it is corrupt through uh, deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Second Peter says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory. God has called us to his own glory. And a lot of people just, they want to keep beating us down and say, oh, God gets all the glory. No, you get the glory too because God died for you, rose again to give you a new life, to give you and reestablish you in his glory. <clears throat> Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We am now of the likeness of God. We have the ability to forgive sins. We have the ability to heal sicknesses. We have the ability to overcome the works of the devil. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, we get to behold the glory of God. It's so good. Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. We are getting back to the image of Christ. We are getting into the image of God that was originally designed for us in Genesis chapter 1. For God made man in his own likeness. But the thing is, we lost that likeness. And here in the New Testament, now in Jesus, we are being reestablished into his likeness. Um, that is why we can ask anything in his name and he'll give it to us. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. There's just so much good stuff here. I'm going to just blow through these. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away into its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Matthew 18 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I already read that. <clears throat> John 14 says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes me will do the same things I've been doing in greater works. Uh, Mark 9 says, and Jesus said to him, <clears throat> if you can, all things are possible for him who believes. John 15 says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The Father has loved me, so I've loved you and abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. John 15 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you my servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. God is exalting us from servant, uh, servant status to friend status. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. <clears throat> 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's why we have to get in the word of God, so we'll know his will. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Romans 4, 20. No belief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God has chosen to use mankind to have authority over the earth, and it will be by men that earth will be conquered. This is why Jesus became a man, in order that God could legally buy back our authority.